Quiet is kept. South Carolina State men's basketball is on a major three-game winning streak that quietly has some big implications within the MEAC. Oh, yeah, it's Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and current contributing writer at USA Today's Saints Wire. And remember, just because the mic cuts off, doesn't mean the journey's over. Just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Go to fanduel.com slash locked on to make every moment more. And if you're new to FanDuel, you get $150 back in bonus bets, win or lose, when you put down a $5 bet we'll wrap up today's episode the same way we're kind of starting it just on different genders we'll wrap up looking at the state of miag women's basketball we'll in the middle of it look at some swack action because grambling versus uapb was a major game and the outcome had major ramifications but before we get into either of those things before we get into the miag and the swack women's side let's look at the state of miag men's basketball but specifically honing in on South Carolina State because they are in the midst of a quiet yet big three-game winning streak. And the reason that I say it's quiet is because it feels as if there are two teams that everybody is paying attention to in the MEAC, North Carolina Central and then also Norfolk State. North Carolina Central's lone loss is to South Carolina State. So when you look at what they've done over the course of the last week, really, right, the last three games spaced out, this has been a major three-game winning streak because they're also knocking off some big-time opponents. So let's go ahead and take a look at this. After starting 0-2 in MEAC play, they've now, when I'm talking about they, I mean South Carolina State, they have now rattled off three victories in a row against North Carolina Central, Delaware State, and then Maryland Eastern Shore, right? So when you look at those first two wins, those are the ones that are tough. Those are the ones that people look at and they they kind of open up their eyes a little bit because you started off 0-2, 1-3 straight, and now you're 3-2, and, and now you're kind of in the thick of things, right? Because I just named two teams in Norfolk State and North Carolina Central that I have everybody kind of looking at. Everybody's talking about them. I think we're for the most part, anticipating that showdown. But I think South Carolina State is making an argument that we need not leave them out of this conversation because they deserve to be, especially when you look at basketball. When we're talking about basketball, it's not just these are the two top, te two top teams. We're now looking at a tournament format. So when you have a tournament format, 
It's just about what teams are good, what teams are catching fire. If this was football, yeah, it's just two. At the end of the year, they'll have a conference championship. Not so much in the MEAG, but you get my point. In basketball, those can be your two top teams, and they may never face each other. And if the way if South Carolina continues to perform the way that they are, then that is a real possibility. This whole conversation starts with an upset over North Carolina Central. Now, with the argument to be in the upper echelon of the MEAC, one could say, is this still really an upset? To me, it is because of where North Carolina Central was. They were undefeated at that time, and South Carolina State was 0-2. That context matters. Another piece of context that really matters is the fact that South Carolina State, their first two losses were to Norfolk and then also to Howard. So when you lose to Norfolk State and you lose to Howard, those are two quality teams. There's not much shame in it, but when you take a closer look at how they lost, those games were close. It's not as if they were getting beat down. It wasn't a blowout. That game against Howard, they actually had a, a lead with about two and a half minutes left in the game. It was that close. Their game against Norfolk State wasn't as close as that. It ended up being a seven-point loss, and it was competitive. I wouldn't say it was close. It didn't go down to the last wire that much, but it was a close competitive game. So you're looking at two losses that were both competitive against two quality opponents within the conference. Now these next three, I would say that it shows that they have learned how to put it together and win. Close game against Howard, let it go at the end. Close game against Norfolk State, didn't let it go at the end, but just a close game. Now you look at a close game versus North Carolina Central, that's a victory. Close game against Delaware State, who also was undefeated at the time that South Carolina State played them, that was a close victory. But you went from two close losses to two close victories. And then when you beat Maryland Eastern Shore, that was the first game, win or lose, that was decided by multiple or by double digits in MEAG play for them. So this is Central was a three-point victory. Delaware State was a two-point victory. That's the combined five points in between these two games. These were close matchups. It would, to me, say that you've learned how to put it together. Now, when you look at how it affects the MEAC, because this is a quietly big deal, their victories are over two top dogs in the conference. And that's the impact is because if you lose one of those games, now you're looking at either Delaware State or North Carolina Central standing alone at the top. Excuse me. If it's Central, they'd be alone. But if it was Delaware, it wouldn't be because Delaware State actually lost the next game when they went on to face North Carolina Central. So. It's 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 that that's a different conversation. But um, Norfolk State, their loan loss is to North Carolina Central. North Carolina Central's loan loss is to South Carolina State. And then Delaware State just lost back to back games to South Carolina State. And then after that, they then lost their next game to North Carolina Central. So this is this is a. Was it central? Yeah, I think it was central. Uh, but this is a situation where you're now changing the landscape of the MEAC. Now there's two teams who are alone at four and one. Then you have a couple of teams who are at three and two. Then you have Howard who is at three and three. Actually, I think they lost to Howard. I think it was Howard that they lost to. Yeah. 
I think North Carolina, I think Delaware State lost to Howard after losing to South Carolina State. It's kind of confusing because they have that whole stretch in a row. And we'll look at that either on tomorrow's episode or the day after. I'm not quite sure yet, but we'll preview the tough stretch that Delaware State is going through. But yeah, you have you have um, excuse me. I'm trying to think. I really, I, let me check this real quick because Boom. Oh, okay. So it was North Carolina Central. It was North Carolina Central. Um, I just want to make sure that I was here and had this right. But um, yeah, so anyway, you're looking at Delaware State who lost two games, regardless of who it was against. It was two games and it was Delaware State versus North Carolina Central was the last one. Okay, cool. Um, thank you for bearing with me. Y'all get to see that live, right? Sometimes I just want y'all to see the process. We ain't cutting. We ain't cutting none of that. But that's the MEAC landscape and how it how it was altered. So let's recap that up real quick while we are confident in knowing who played who. So now you have Norfolk State and North Carolina Central tied at the top at 4-1. and one. You have South Carolina State, who is in the midst of their three-game winning streak over a couple of quality opponents, right? And now they're at three and two alongside Delaware State, who is also at three and two. And then another team that you look at is Howard, who is at three and three because they played one more conference game than everybody else. So they also have one more loss. So that's how I'm looking at it. And those are the ones I'm putting a lot of my attention on. And we'll look at the other ones as time goes on. But it's those one, two, three, four, five that I'm actually looking at as we push forward with the MEAC play. And as we push forward with Locked on HBCU, we're going to change conferences. We're going to go to my side, which is the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and look at Grambling women's basketball versus UAPB women's basketball. It was a pivotal matchup, and one needed this game more than the other, and that's the one who actually won. So let's look at that as we continue with Locked on HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, and FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Let's see what we got as far as NBA action, as far as NHL action, college basketball action. They might have something for the pro day, and not the pro day, the pro bowl. Then a week afterwards, we got the Super Bowl, right? So if you're new to FanDuel, all you have to do is go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, right? And when you go there, if you're new to FanDuel, you'll get $150 back in bonus bets, win or lose, when you put down a $5 bet. That's what I love because sometimes I'm a little unsure of myself and I want to be a little risk-averse and I don't exactly want to jump off the deep end. But if I get $150 back in bonus bets, I have significantly less to really be concerned about. So I'll happily stroll my butt over there to locked on or excuse me, to fanduel.com slash locked on to make every moment more because I get $150 back as long as I put down a $5 bet, win or lose. That's fan duel. Make every moment more. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen, check out Locked on Sports Today, which is the first of its kind, 24-7 sports network on YouTube all day, every day. You can catch something. Just go ahead and subscribe to Locked on Sports Today and see what's on. Now, I want to look at this SWAC women's basketball game between UAPB versus Grambling because this was crucial. And that's the exact word I would use to describe the victory that UAPB had, because this 
victory was needed. And in my opinion, it was needed more than Grambling needed it. And you want to talk about games with a lot of importance early in the season. There is an upper echelon to me that has been clearly drawn out in SWAC women's basketball. And it was clearly drawn when Grambling thrashed Southern. To me, it was a confirmation that Grambling belonged. I already kind of felt that way, and I would even say knew it, but it was a confirmation that, yes, that team belongs in the upper echelon, but the way that they beat Southern, it told me Southern didn't belong. That's what it told me. So now I knew it was Jackson State, UAP, Grambling. Put them in whatever order you want. Right now, Jackson State clearly looks the best, but you finally had the first showdown between two teams that were in that grouping, and that's Grambling versus UAPB. So now that you have those two, it was crucial because I or it was important because we wanted to see it. Right. It was pivotal. It was kind of a a uh, just I would say a heavyweight bout. That's the way I would phrase it. But it became crucial because UAPB was one game behind Grambling in the standings. And if they would have lost this game, I don't know if you UAPB would have made it up. Grambling has been a really good team, and I don't know if Grambling was going to allow a two-game deficit to be kind of eight away while you also had the tiebreaker lead. So really you needed to catch up by three games. I just don't know. But in the words of Kanye, I guess we'll never know. Because UAPB came out and they won this game with absolutely suffocating defense. That's the way that they won this game. And Grambling is known for their offense this year. They have been absolutely phenomenal at putting up points. They have one of the best bench scoring teams in the nation. They have one of the best scoring teams out there. This is their bread and butter, their ability to put up points. But on Monday night, they couldn't buy a bucket with a pocket full of 20s, right? I always used to say that when I was playing 2K, and that's what this reminds me of. Because when you look at the final score, excuse me, when you look at the final score, you're looking at 49 to 63 or 56, 49, 56. Obviously, UAPB had the 56, but Grambling doesn't score 49 ever. Like That's just not what they do. When you look at their out-of-conference schedule, the least amount of points they scored out-of-conference was 57. 57 points. So they haven't been out of the 50s at any point. And we're talking about power five teams. We're talking about any and everybody, right? I know we look at the College of Biblical Studies and what they did, but trust and believe. Their schedule was not a bunch of biblical studies. It wasn't that at all. They played some big schools, and they only went as low as 57 points. Now you look at in-conference play, the lowest amount they've had is 63, and they've scored over 80 points three times. This is the offensive display that we've grown accustomed to when it comes to Grambling women's basketball. But when it came to UAPB, they shut all of that down. They shut all of that down. And it was the worst shooting performance that they had in SWAC play. They were getting up shots, you know, because sometimes when you don't score points, you're not getting up shots. Maybe you're turning the ball over a lot. Like you have those things and they weren't actually even getting blocked a lot. They just weren't making it. And overall, that might be the worst part. You shot 7% from three. It's just, it was bad. 21 out of 80 shots. You put up 80 shots. You made 21. That's the third worst shooting performance that you've had all year. High volume in the attempt category, but not high volume in the make category. Right? So, you look at it in comparison, I think it was the Bethune-Cookman game. 
I think that's the game that it was. Grambling made 21 shots in that game as well. However, they only put up less than 70 attempts. So it was a drastic difference in your shooting percentage. So you look at uh, on the offensive side for for uh, UAPB, you add Zay Green, of course, right? Because when we talk offense and we talk UAPB, the per- first person we're going to look at is Zay Green. She had 14 and 10. Kariah Bucket was a Kariah Beck, excuse me, was one bucket away from a double double of her own. But after that, it wasn't that great offense either. Neither one of these teams really shot the ball immaculately, right? Like neither one of these teams really put up points. They actually both had their worst scoring display of the year, grambling overall in the UAPB in in conference play. Because I already went through Grambling's number numbers. Grambling's put up over 80 points three times this season. They haven't scored lower than 63 points in conference play. They haven't scored, excuse me, Grambling has scored over 80 points three times in conference play this year. They haven't scored under 63 in conference plays this year. You're looking at 57 points being their lowest point total at all through any opponent this year. UAPB held them to 49. Meanwhile, UAPB, they've never been below 70 points all year in the conference play they've only been under 50 or below the 50s or below against old miss and that was a 47 point victory or a 47 point scoring night that's it every other time they've been in the 60s or above they're consistently in the 70s when they're playing against slack opponents so uapb's defense was able to shut down grambling and that was a big story because they won but Grambling's defense was able to shut down UAPB with the same amount of efficiency. UAPB just obviously did it better, and they were able to make the crucial buckets that they needed. But overall, you're looking at two teams who are very talented on the offensive side of the ball or the court, so to speak. But in this game, the defenses are the ones that reign supreme, and then you had UAPB's defense that was even better that carried them over to victory. And just to recap the importance of it, if Grambling would have won this game, they would have had a two-game lead. But instead, the two teams are tied at 5-2 and two in conference play. And clearly that tiebreaker goes to UAPB because they just won this game. So that's the impact of it. But as we move forward, we're going to look at an equally impactful situation, except we're looking at the impact on three teams as opposed to two. In the MEAC, you have Coppin State, Howard, and Norfolk State. So let's go ahead and take a look at that. As we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. That's J A S E Medical.com. Go ahead and get yourself the just in case case, or as you'll see it on the website, the Jace case. But the reason I have so, you know, affectionately termed it that is because I'm looking at any situation I could be in. The Jace case is going to have me prepared. I've never been a fortune teller. I've never been able to just predict the future. It's it's not me. I'm the mouth of the South. Not that so Raven. I can't see things before it happened. So because I don't have that ability, I got to make sure that I get the Jace case that has five antibiotics that are meant to treat over 50 infections. That allows me to be prepared for the things that I can't see coming. I can't see it coming, but I can see 
can't see it coming, but I can prepare for whatever does come. So that's my way of looking at it. And in order to do that, I go to Jace Medical, J-A-S-E medical.com. That's Jace medical.com. Go ahead and get yourself a Jace case and you can even customize it to add an extra antibiotic if you like. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Thank you. Thank you. The current state of the MEAC is one that is now coming to a little bit clearer focus after Monday's action, right? Because I'll let y'all know this. I do not record late enough on Mondays typically to be able to recap a game that happened Monday night. I just don't do it. I just don't record that late, right? So because of that, we don't get to come in and have this discussion on Tuesday morning. We get to do it on Wednesday morning, but it's okay because you don't have another game for a while. That's the same thing that happened with South Carolina State. I wanted to have the full scope of the MEAC to be able to discuss South Carolina State. Now, I needed the full scope of the MEAC in order to have this conversation about Coppin State Norfolk State, and then also um, State, Norfolk State. And then, why am I catching the brain for it? Howard. Okay. So, and I thought it was Howard, but it didn't sound right. Only because I was thinking about the men's team versus the women's team. But overall, I needed that landscape. So now that we're here, everything is coming to clear focus. On Monday morning, the Monday episode, right? We looked at Coppin State versus Norfolk State. In that big-time matchup, we knew it was a big deal. It was on Saturday. And on Saturday, Coppin was the only undefeated team in MEAC women's basketball. Meanwhile, Norfolk was one of two teams with one loss. So we're looking at, can they bring them down to one loss? Can Coppin State be able to establish some breathing room? Because if they would have established breathing room, now you're looking at Norfolk State, and you're like, all right, are you going to be able to make up a two-game deficit? We're looking at you potentially being a 14 seed. That's done. That's finito, right? But that didn't happen. That didn't happen for, unfortunately, for Coppin State and fortunately for Norfolk State because they won that game and now it instantly put more pressure on Coppin State to face Howard. And on Monday, we looked at something that was, it was a, it was a hypothetical at the time and it was a little bit confusing even to say. It felt like too many words, too many teams that got jumbled up. But we no longer need to be hypothetical. We no longer need to predict and say, and if this happened, if that happened, and this happened, I will tell you what happened and what it means. So Coppin State defeated Howard. And because that happened, Norfolk State, who also won their game on Monday, is now the number one team in the MEAC due to a tiebreaker. They beat Norfolk State beat Coppin State. So now they have the tiebreaker as both teams are tied at four and one. That is no longer hypothetical. That is exactly what we walked ourselves into. So let's go ahead and get that cleared up. But let's look at Coppin State versus Howard because we know the ramifications of it now. We now know that Norfolk State is the biggest victor of this game. But let's look at this game between the Eagles and the Bison. So when you look at the scoring breakdown, it's really even. This is a very evenly matched game, period. When you look at statistics, it's just very close numbers. There is a slight edge that goes to Coppin State, which is 
probably why they won the game. But when you look at lead scorers, you had Layla Lawrence at 22 points for Coppin State, and then you had Kayla Creek with 22 points for Howard. So now you have lead scorers putting up 20-plus, and Lawrence did have a 20-point double-double for the record. But you have two scorers who are putting up 20 points. What about the supporting cast? And it's almost where it gets funny to me. Howard has two double-digit scores in addition to their lead score. But the problem with Howard is nobody else did a thing. Howard had three scores who reached double digits, right? Ten points or more. Nobody else scored more than four points. Then you look at uh, Coppin State, and they had their 22-point score. But then in addition to that, they had one additional um, double-digit performer. Then they had three players who scored seven or eight points. So, like, that's the difference. It was spread out. You actually had more players step up in a different capacity. Meanwhile, it was just either that big three on that night for Howard or nobody. So that you just in games like this, I don't think you can afford to be only three players who are actually putting up points for you. I just don't think you can afford that. And the game was only decided by five points overall. So, yeah, that made a big difference. And honestly, like I said, very evenly matched. But I'll give you these stats before I get up out of here. Coppin State had a slight lead in field goal percentage, rebounds, blocks, and assists. Assists, depending on how the offense flows, is not the best indicator, but it does show you your ability to facilitate and pass to open players. So I think that it is a good thing to have the edge in. But field goal percentage, rebounds, blocks, those are all definitive factors. You see it. And when you have all three of those things in a close matchup that swing the way of one particular team, well, yeah, that team is more than likely going to win in a close game. Now, on tomorrow's episode, we'll continue looking at the MEAC and SWAC men's basketball or uh, MEAC and SWAC basketball period, but it probably will be some of the fellows on the SWAC side. So until then... I'm excited. I can't wait. I don't know when we're going to look at the Delaware State upcoming games. That'll either be tomorrow or the day after, but it'll definitely be here this week. But in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.